So a couple months ago, uh, we were having our community group over to our house. Uh, and I should say, this is a, a brand new community group uh, for us. And so this is one of the first times that we were all going to be getting together. You know, there's going to be some, you know, brand new introductions. And for almost everybody in the group, this was the first time that they were ever going to be in Ashley and I's home. And so like... Many of you, uh, when people are getting ready to come over, uh, we try to get our house what our friends would call company ready. Uh, so we sweep and you know, pick up the toys and clean the bathroom, and we try to get most of the house to look as good as it possibly can. Uh, but at least in our house, there's always like a couple areas that like we never really take the time to clean, you know? So there's like that drawer in the kitchen that's just kind of like that weird catch-all that's like, any extra stuff, you just kind of like shove it in that drawer and it's just kind of that place in the kitchen. And then we have this place in our basement. Uh, there's a closet back here and it's where our, our furnace and our hot water heater. Uh, and you know, the basement's kind of the basement in general, but that especially is the area even in the basement where like all the extra just stuff goes. And it's just kind of, you know, shoved and piled and you know, and it's just back there. But we hung this nice black curtain so that way nobody could see all the stuff that we've shoved in the back of the closet in our basement. Uh, so our group came over, uh, you know, and you know the house looks pretty good. Uh, but in this group, we're trying to do it all as a, a family, and so it's you know it's adults and kids, and we're trying to eat and try to spend as much time all together, building relationships with kind of cross generations. Uh, and so we decided for this group that we were going to all play a game together. And the game we were going to play was hide and seek. And so we had someone who was going to count and everyone was going to go all over my house to find places to hide. And guess what? One of the people in the group, someone who had never been to my house before, someone who I'm sure in some way I was hoping that I could like impress with how clean and organized I had made my house before anybody came over, guess where they decided to hide? They came down in the basement, they saw the curtain, they went behind the curtain, and they went into all the stuff and junk and trash and disorganization that we had tried desperately to hide behind the curtain. And here's why I bring all that up. Because if, if you have a curtain in your house that you are using to hide some stuff that you don't want anybody to see, that's really not a big deal. But for every one of us in our lives, there's a version of ourselves that we would love to present to people. But there's also a side of us, some, some character traits, uh, some parts of our story that we hope kind of stay hidden and that we're trying to hide behind some sort of curtain. Uh, there's a, a name for this. Uh, it's called image management. Uh, and it turns out there's all kinds of books and websites that teach you and coach you how you can manage your image that you are portraying to other people. Uh, here's a, a website I found uh, that talks about how you can do some image management and what it looks like. It says, image management is an effective way to attract others, to encourage others to regard you favorably and with continued interest. Uh, another part in the site that image management is the ongoing proactive process of evaluating and controlling the impact of your appearance on you and on others. 
and all of us spend lots of time trying to manage our image. And in some cases, that's fine. Uh, in a, maybe a professional sense, if you're on a job interview, maybe if you're even on a first date, there's times where, of course, you want to present the best version of yourself. But what we are trying to do this summer is we are focusing as a church on building deep relationships. And if you want to build real, deep relationships, that means not just letting them see the, the managed, controlled parts of your image, but that there needs to be some people in your life who you let see behind the curtain. What is it that you have been trying to hide behind the curtain? Maybe, what are you even trying to hide from yourself or hide from God? Are there some people in your life that you can open up the curtain? Uh, one of the questions that we ask every once in a while is, are there at least two to three people that know the full you? Are there a few people in your life who really know every single part of what is going on in your life? Uh, to help us think about that, I want to look at a verse. Uh, so this is from uh, the book of James, uh, the letter of James. So James was uh, one of the early Christian leaders. He was kind of the, the half-brother of Jesus, which is kind of a crazy idea that he grew up with Jesus. And he, like all of the early church, are trying to figure out what does it look like for us to live like Jesus? What does it look like for us to live out these commands and this way of life that Jesus taught us? Uh, and for us this summer, what does it look like for us to love other people in the way that Jesus loves us? Uh, and here's what James says. Uh, this is in James chapter 5. He's going to give a couple different uh, categories here. Uh, so starting in verse 13, he says, Is anyone among you in trouble? And so... Are any of you in trouble? You have any marriage trouble, uh, trouble with your kids, uh, trouble with your job, uh, any financial trouble? Uh, do you have any trouble trying to get your garden to grow? Uh, any technology trouble? Uh, any trouble uh, trying to figure out how you move on to the next phase of parenting or the next phase of retirement or the next phase of purchasing a house? Does anyone have any problems in their life? And if so, are there some other people that know about the troubles in your life? Uh, next, he says, is anyone happy? Are you happy about anything? Anything going well? Have you had any wins lately? Anything that just kind of just made you feel really good? You know, something that you were able to achieve in your life? Are there other people that know in your life about the things that are just going Wow, what made you smile today? Is there anyone else in your life who knows? Uh, he says, is there anyone among you that is sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Is anybody sick? Uh, is anyone struggling with anything physically? Uh, anyone struggling with any mental illness? Anyone struggling with any kind of addiction or substance abuse? Does anyone have something going on with their body or with their mind that they are just struggling? And does anyone else know? He goes on. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Anyone have any sins? Anyone have anything that they do that they wish that they didn't do? Anyone have anything that they do that hurts themselves? Anybody have anything that they do that hurts the people around them? Anybody have any regrets? 
Anybody have any shame in their life? Is there anyone else that you have shared those sins with, that you could confess your sins? Uh, and then he goes on. He's talking about uh, prayer, and he's going to reference the story that's from about 800 years before James would have written this letter 2,000 years ago. So James wrote the letter 2,000 years ago, and he's referencing the story from like 800 years ago before, kind of this Jewish hero story of this guy Elijah. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Uh, and he references the story. He says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So this guy prayed in this like big faith, miraculous way that like he thought his prayers could control the weather. Do you have some people in your life that are praying for you? And not just maybe small prayers. Do you have some people that are praying in like a big faith, like they believe that miracles can happen in your life kind of way? Do you today, can you name two or three people that know enough about your life that they are praying for you and you know that you are praying for them? Uh, and then lastly, he says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Do you have some people in your life who have enough access to your life that if they see you going in some sort of a direction, something that's hurting you, something that's hurting your family, something that's hurting your marriage, something that like they have enough love and wisdom that they see that the direction that you're going, it's not going to end well. Do you have some people in your life that have access to you where they can have a conversation, maybe a difficult but loving conversation to help bring you back and to help you turn and repent and start to go back into a way that's going to be a better way to live. Do you have some people like that in your life? And what we want is we want to be the kind of a community, we want to be the kind of church where we have a few different people who really know us and where we're building deep relationships where we are authentically letting other people see what else is going on. Uh, now, like everything we're talking about this summer, like what does that look like in real life? Like what does that look like to be open and vulnerable and, you know, let other people see what's really going on in our lives? Like what does that look like in a church setting? Uh, what does that look like when, you know, when we gather together with a large group, you know, are we all supposed to just like, you know, open up all of our lives, you know, and share everything that's going on? You know, what does that look like in our community group? Uh, and in your groups when you get together, uh, that's exactly what we want you to discuss. What does that look like for you to move towards authenticity, vulnerability uh, in our church family, in large group, and in small group? Uh, but a couple ideas. Uh, first, when we get together in the in large group settings, I think one thing that we can easily do is let's just make a commitment that we're going to be honest. Uh, and by honest, I don't think we need to always share absolutely everything that's going on, but let's at least share some of what's going on. Uh, we've often compared that I think church should be more like an AA group. And so uh, in AA group, Alcoholics Anonymous, they all gather together and one of the first things that they'll say is, hey, my name is John and uh, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, and 
then if they choose to, they might share more of their story and what's going on and what's happened over the last couple days. Uh, but more particularly, they usually have a sponsor or someone that they really go through more of the details of life. But there's just kind of this overarching, like, let's just admit that we are a group of people that, hey, my name's John and I have problems. Uh, my, my name's John and I have things in my life that are going well. Uh, my name's John and I might have some sickness in my life. Uh, I have some sin in my life. Uh, I might have some need for people to kind of re-correct me in my life. And I think one kind of easy way that we can do this is next time you come to a large group setting and you're doing those easy intros of, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Uh, at least my temptation is always like, hey, I'm fine. Things are good. Take a moment and pause and then just answer with a little bit more of an authentic answer. If you are really doing good, let people know that. Uh, if you're a little stressed though, say, yeah, I'm, I'm a little stressed. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little tired. Uh, man, it's kind of been uh, a rough week. I, there's been a lot of actually really, I've had some really good moments this week. And then if you choose to expand on that, that's great. But let's just like commit that when we like introduce ourselves and we say hello, when we are coming in and kind of those inner, beginning parts of a service. Let's commit to just to be people of more honesty. But then in our community groups, our small groups, maybe even in even smaller groups of like two to three, let's take some moves and take some rest to open up even a little bit more of who we are, of intentionally trying to let people see even more of what's behind the curtain. Uh, and that could be just taking time to just like share something a little bit more personable. It could be that uh, when you come together with your group and everyone's saying, hey, is there any way that I can pray for you to maybe open up a little bit more of something that the, uh, the rest of the group could pray for you. Uh, as we take those steps of trying to be more honest in a large group and as we try to be a little more open and vulnerable in small group, uh, here's a couple guides that I think can help us. And so again, we're looking at these ideas of loving one another and there's these 59 different verses in the New Testament that let us know what it looks like to love one another. I just want to add two more on real quick. Uh, in Romans 15 verse 7, it says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Uh, one way that we can really help to foster this is let's be a group that is accepting of other people. Uh, sometimes there can be a real move in church that it, church should be a place of image management. That when you come to church, you, you got to make yourself look as, as good and holy and righteous as possible. And everyone's just trying to really make themselves look like, man, I'm kind of like the perfect Christian and the perfect family person and then the perfect marriage. And Again, we want to be the kind of group where when we come in, we can just be more honest in that. But there's a reason why we all try to like fake it a little bit and try to do some image management is because we're worried, are people really going to be able to accept the real version of ourselves? And so let's commit that as a group of people, let's accept one another. Uh, and with that big added push, not just accept one another, but accept one another in the same way that Jesus accepts us. Uh, a great uh, picture of this. Uh, there's a book by uh, John Orberg uh, called Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them, which is worth it just for the title. Uh, he has this great uh, analogy that he opens up uh, the book with, a uh, similar idea of kind of what's behind the curtain. He says, in certain stores, you'll find a section of merchandise available at greatly reduced prices. 
The tip-off is a particular tag you will see on all the items in that area. Each tag carries the same words, as is. This is a euphanatic way of saying these are damaged goods. Sometimes they're called slightly irregular. The store is issuing you fair warning. This is the department of something's gone wrong. You're going to find a flaw here, a stain that won't come out, a zipper that won't zip, a button that won't button. There will be a problem. These items are not normal. We're not going to tell you where the flaw is. You're going to have to look for it, but we know it's there. So when you find it, and you will find it, don't come whining and sniffling to us because there is a fundamental rule when dealing with merchandise in this corner of the store. No returns, no refunds, no exchanges. If you're looking for perfection, you've walked down the wrong aisle. You receive fair warning. If you want this item, this is the only way to obtain it. You must take it as is. When you deal with human beings, you have come to the as is corner of the universe. If you want to enter a relationship with this model, there's only one way as is. Isn't that true of every single one of us? We are a group. We are a family. We are a church of people who are not perfect, who have flaws, who have things going on behind the curtain. And so let's acknowledge that and let's accept each other as we are and love each other. Then the next level, this comes from uh, Galatians uh, chapter 6. It says, bear one another's burdens. And the idea of bear one another's burdens, it's like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share your burden. That's how some people translate it. Or I'm going to help you carry this burden. It's not only is there someone in your life who knows about the trouble in your life, who knows about the sickness in your life, who knows about the sickness in your life, but is there someone in your life who's willing to like, help you get under that weight and help you carry it, walk alongside you. And that's not an easy thing. And that's not something that we can do for very many people. And it's not something that very many people can do for us. And so we need to find a couple, two or three people that we can enter into an even greater level of deeper relationship, who we let them not only in the curtain, but we say, would you be willing to help me get this cleaned up? Would you be willing to help me get this organized? Would you be willing to, to help me sort this out? And it might take a while. It might be messy. It might be difficult. Would you be willing to walk alongside me in life? Uh, and that's not going to be a regular thing. Uh, that's something that is only for a specific level of friendship. But we all need people like that in our life. And so would we commit that maybe it's some folks that are in your community group, Maybe it's some folks that you've got to know in other parts of your life, but would you be willing to start to lean in a direction of having a few people in your life that you're not only being vulnerable with, but you're asking them, would you help to carry this with me? Uh, and that has to be something that is very delicate. Not everyone is trustworthy enough to bear your burdens with you. Not everyone is equipped to do that. Uh, that's something that we need to build a relationship. That's something that a relationship needs to evolve. Trust needs to evolve. There probably needs to be a point where we ask permission to say, I would like to take our relationship to another level. And there's some things that I want to share with you about what's going on in my life. And I would like you to help me bear these burdens. Like, is that something that you're up for, you know, bearing one another's burdens is not something we blast to the church congregation. It's not something that we blast out on Facebook. This is something that is for a special kind of relationship. But 
It's the kind of relationship that we need and it's the kind of relationship that we are trying to develop uh, in our groups and in our church. Uh, and what I believe is that those kind of relationships uh, are possible. Uh, a couple hundred years ago, uh, there was a guy by the name of John Wesley. Uh, John Wesley uh, started the, the Methodist uh, church movement and the Wesleyan uh, church movement. And one of John Wesley's big ideas uh, was that instead of just getting people into Sunday services, and Sunday services are great, he wanted people to also be in these small little communities because he thought that real transformation happens in these small little communities. Uh, but when you were to join one of these small communities, there was a series of questions that they would ask you. If you wanted to be a part of this group, that they would ask you these questions. And just try to imagine, like, if, if you were... As you're in a community group, hopefully uh, with Christ Church Albany, if before you join this group, if these were the kind of questions that you were asked, uh, and then if you answered them well, then they would let you into the group. Uh, here's the questions that uh, John Wesley uh, had people ask before they would get in these groups. They would ask, does any sin, inward or outward, have dominion over you? Let us know. Let us know about your sins. Do you desire to be told of your faults? Push it a little bit more. Do you desire to be told of all your faults? Do you desire that we should tell you whatsoever we think, whatsoever we fear, whatsoever we hear concerning you? Do you desire that in doing this, we should come as close as possible, that we should cut to the quick and search your heart to the bottom? And is it your desire and design to be on this and other occasions entirely open so as to speak everything that is in your heart without exception, without disguise, and without reserve. And is it your desire and design to be on this and all other occasions entirely open so as to speak everything that is in your heart without exception, without disguise, and without reserve? Can you imagine being in a group that was that level of honest and authentic? In Wesley's day, thousands of people said yes, and they engaged in that level of relationships. And it was a transformative experience for them as they were working to love Jesus, love each other, and love the world. And what historians about that movement will say is that as time went on, that level of authenticity, of transparency faded. And as it faded, so did the communities. Uh, and I'm not necessarily saying that we need to ask those kind of questions all the time in our group. But I do think we should be leaning in that direction because I need it. We need it. We need that kind of authentic, vulnerable relationships in our life if we're going to really try to understand what it looks like to love Jesus and to love others. Uh, let me finish uh, by reading uh, this quote from Dallas Willard. Uh, he says, Confession is a discipline that functions within fellowship. In it, we let trusted, it has to be trusted, Others know about our deepest weaknesses and failures. Thus, we let some, not all, but some friends in Christ know who we really are, allowing complete transparency. We lay down the burden of hiding and pretending, which normally takes up a dreadful amount of human energy. 
we engage and are engaged by others in the most profound depths of the soul. Confession alone makes deep fellowship possible, and the lack of it explains much of the superficial quality found in our church. Let's move towards confession, towards vulnerability. Let's let some other people behind the curtain of our lives, and let's grow and let's experience the grace and love that comes when we are fully known, and yet there is a group of people. More importantly, there is a God who says, I accept you, and I want to bear your burdens. I want to help you along the way. That's love. That's community. Love you guys. See you in the next one.